For us, we think about needing to be one of the centers of the subscription ecosystem. And one of the main ways that we think we're going to be able to do that is actually treating content like shows. Like we're building an actual network that'll allow us to, you know, build subscribers, build brand, build that experience and, and kind of be one of the authorities within the space. That was Patrick Campbell, CEO of ProfitWell. And these are the Brandwagon Interviews. It's just going to be us doing this right now. We're going to like look at each other and just All right, giggle. Okay. So, well, um, me, 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 me. <laughs> The giggles have started so early. Um, so what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. How thanks, are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. What did you have for breakfast today? I was at Flower Bakery. Which, and which I had one? a lemon, uh, 131 Clarendon. Okay. Uh, I had a lemon ginger scone. Okay. And a medium coffee. That's great. So small. But How do you take your coffee? Uh, it depends on the day. Uh, today it was oat milk and a Splenda. Nice. I was feeling a little, needed a little sugar high, basically, which was good. Big fan of oat milk. Yeah. That's, milk, a, that's a hot I think right oat now. milk, the thing with oat milk that bothers me, though, is everyone's like, oh, it's brand new, everything. It's like, whenever you travel in Europe, it's like, they don't have almond milk, they have oat milk. Yeah. And so it's 30 now, years old. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. This is a great story. It's yeah. going <laughs> so well right now. This is going so this is well. What, this is what the people want. They this want to hear about oat milk, I oat think. Milk? Hot trends in oat I, milk. I have been known to be incredibly boring about very specific things. So, yeah, this will that's be That's why really we asked you today. I know, exactly. It's just to like rattle on some data, and then basically like everyone's going to fall asleep, which is awesome. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we'll like pop one of these movies in and uh, <laughs> just like get some popcorn and hang out. Huh? We'll watch Gladiator. I why is Gladiator your favorite movie? Uh, it's just such an epic film. But like know? that's the one you fixate on. I think it was like the I was exactly the right age when it came out that I believe that I too could be like Maximus Decimus. Yeah, I want to psychoanalyze it. you yeah. and basically that's what I, that was my dream. Like it's kind of like a mix between like a Napoleon complex <laughs> and like a Russell Crowe midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah, like I kind of right. feel like Gladiator is going to be your favorite film forever. Then hopefully. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. What else do you like up here? Hook. Hook. <laughs> you are you would be a hook. I guy. hate hook. All right. Okay. You hate hook? Yeah. Why do you hate hook? Uh I think it just really ruined the whole franchise. What franchise? <laughs> what franchise? Was Disney, there multiple? Peter Pan. Peter Pan but got ruined. It, yeah, but it wasn't no, a franchise. No, it's all the same thing. It's just, you know, who wants to see hook? Yeah, but hook, it was incredibly done. It was like one of their first like live action y like renditions. That's true. In like R.I.P. Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Like you're mm-hmm. kind of an asshole by saying mm-hmm. you like mm-hmm. hate hook. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Okay. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> I feel like we're right. putting on a show right now. Yeah. All right. Which is a little weird. Let's what do it. What do you it. want to talk about? So, I have a bunch of questions for you. Excited, Let's do it. I'm excited to have you here today. Yeah. I'm pumped to be here. Um, bunch of questions. First one is Which is there a magician that is your favorite, and which magician have you seen most recently? Uh, <laughs> well, I feel like the answer to that question is is the same, mainly because I don't know a lot of magicians. Uh, Savage dragged me to a David Copperfield show, and what was amazing about David Copperfield. He's old. Yes, a lot of work done. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's basically wearing you know stilts to keep his body up the entire time, and the amount of money that he spent on that show feels preposterous. And it seems like he doesn't want to be there. Right? And he feels like he doesn't want to be there <laughs> the whole time. It feels like the whole time he's like, well, now I got to say these words, yeah. and then I got to say these words, <laughs> and then basically that's it. Yeah, that's basically the extent of it. Yeah, which is interesting. I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed the show as well. 
I thought the I, I thought the the one thing that like we stole already is the the whole like he would serve that image later in the show like to your phone. Yeah, I want to reveal it to everybody, but um, yeah, we're using that. Are you serious? Yeah, 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 we're gonna use that. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, I'm not gonna reveal exactly how we're using it, but we're using it in a manner where it like personalizes and customizes for like leads and subscribers and things wow. like that. Um, yeah, I, I can't at this point, you know, running a content like part of a company that's trying to do things with high leverage and without spending a ton of money. Like we have to find every like everything that works. And like that was really interesting because I didn't think I was gonna take something from a David Copperfield show. I didn't think so either. Yeah, yeah, that was a good time though. That's awesome. Yeah, that I still fun. feel ill from that burger. Mm, that was just burger like, was sitting, too large, sitting right in, sitting right in there basically, <laughs> which is good. Okay, um, let's go back. So tell me cool. and tell tell us. Yeah, who are you? What's ProfitWell? Yeah, so Patrick Campbell, founder and CEO of a company called ProfitWell. Uh, we help uh, subscription businesses with the hard parts of growth. So we have a free subscription financial metrics product. It plugs right into your billing system. So Stripe, Zora, Braintree, um, those are different billing systems if, if you're not familiar. And then we give them free metrics. So they can log in and see all of their financial metrics for free um, on a really, really deep and accurate level. And then the way we make money is we basically show them where they're not doing so well. Um, and in some of those places, we just give them advice. In other places, we have a product that can help solve their problem. So in one instance... Um, we're the best in the world at recovering failed payments, credit cards, and it allows us to basically, you know, help them with something, and then we make money by basically getting a cut for performance, essentially. But yeah, the whole thing, which is kind of interesting, is we want to understand subscription growth better than anyone else, and then kind of deploy that understanding in product. And I think what has kind of evolved from there is, for us, we think about needing to be one of the centers of the subscription ecosystem. And one of the main ways that we think we're going to be able to do that, not just through like product, but it's actually treating content like product. And that's what's kind of caused us to start to do, um, basically treat our content like shows. Like we're building an actual network that'll allow us to, you know, build subscribers, build brand, build that experience, and, and kind of be one of the authorities within the space. That's awesome. And I've been super impressed with the shows that you guys have been putting out. Yeah. And I'd love to dig in a little bit on like, that's a pretty novel idea. Yeah, we're going to make shows as a way to promote ourselves and build our brand and build our audience. Yeah, like how did you get started with that, and what is it? What does that look like now? Yeah, so what was really interesting is in 2012, I was hanging out with you and Brendan, and uh, we were working on like pricing and stuff like that. And one thing that Brendan said was basically like, "Hey, what I would do," and it was just me at the company. Like I was just me, like trying to like build this company. Was hey, you should hire someone to just make videos all day. And I was, I was just thinking, okay, a little self-serving for Wistia, but it's also <laughs> one of those things where I thought, oh, I just don't have time for this. I, I'm not going to be able to basically do this. Um, and you know, the content that we were putting out in written form was really working. Well, over time, we kind of built the company over the, you know, over the past few years, and then about two, two and a half years ago, we started to think about like what was the next evolution of growth for us. And we were finally going to start to like take growth seriously. Like up until that time, we had sales-driven growth, we had product-driven growth, but we didn't really have marketing except for our blog, which was doing really, really well. But it was just me writing content all day, and that that was it. And so what ended up happening is you started to see kind of this this mixture of a few things. So one, video started to kind of arrive. Um, there's a lot of people who knew video was already really, really important, 
but it started to become, hey, that's going to be the number one trend this year, or it's going to be one of the top trends this year. Uh, and then what we started to study was because we're a bootstrap company and because we just don't, you know, we don't have like millions of dollars to just go after one particular bet, I started studying the data in the space and started to realize in the world of content, written content is starting to get so dense that you either need to be so good at it that you're going to be, you know, the thought leader for a space, but that's so hard. Anyone who's tried to write a blog post, like, you put so much effort into it and then all of a sudden like it doesn't do anything, right? Or you write something that's you know, semi-scandalous and it does really, really well, right? And so it's really hard to figure out what works and what doesn't. And then the alternative for us was, well, if we go to another medium, you know, podcasts were starting to get hot, video was starting to get hot, that might be you know, a good option. So in studying the data, we discovered that you know, the life of an ebook, and this is really where a lot of content goes is some sort of offer, mm-hmm. had basically lost about 80% of its velocity. So what I mean by that is if you would put out an ebook normally like five years ago, it would last maybe a year in terms of velocity. Like people would still be signing up. Yeah, a or year like later. the velocity of the signups would be high gotcha. enough that okay. it would be worth the time. Yep. Right. But all of a sudden about a year and a half ago, two years ago, that velocity dropped to about two, two and a half months. And so some people like HubSpot have responded by, let's just publish a ton of ebooks, basically, yeah. um, or a ton of offers, right? And it just started, you know, we looked at the life of offers amongst a bunch of different data, and we just found that very similar to a blog post, you'd have one ebook do really well, another one do really well, and then one kind of like do terribly, right? And so all of a sudden, you're just increasing volume rather than increasing quality, I would argue. And so we started looking at some other data around, um, for instance, you know, what are the best companies in the world at content? They're media companies. Uh, the average number of touches that a media company can typically get is right around four to seven per week, meaning you read or you watch or something like four to seven pieces of content. From one media company. From one media company. Yeah. So like Bloomberg or um, The Skim or you know all different types of media companies that are out there. Now, for a common blog, especially in like a SaaS company, it's really about a max of like 1.6 touches per week. So we started looking at this and all of this data kind of like started coming together and we were like, okay, so these are the best companies in the world at gaining audience and traffic. They're the worst at monetization. Yeah. Software is really, really good at monetization. And there's a way to probably do this that we don't have to, you know, we can have both essentially. So that started our path into like, okay, we're going to build a network. We're going to build a media company as like basically part of the company as a whole. That's awesome. And it, it is interesting because I feel software is so scalable. Yeah. And content is also so scalable. Yeah. And so when you combine those two things together, totally. It seemed it, the opportunities I think are really huge. And I've, I've seen, in the content that you're making, like that, you're right. The number of touches per week is very yeah. high, and I don't watch everything, and I don't. But like, I do end up seeing the episodes. I do end up seeing this, the the shows that connect with me, and I will totally. watch those. And that's the idea, right? Like, you yeah. don't need people to watch everything. You just want them to watch the right ones. Well, it, it becomes you increase the probability of binging, like just the the path to watching or listening to a piece of content versus reading a piece of content, it, the, the barrier to entry is so much lower. Yeah. And what ends up happening is you increase the probability that people are going to watch different types of content. So what we've started to approach, and I can get much more into this if you'd like, is that basically our forcing function was, how do we have a new show get published every single day of the week? They don't all have to be you know, 45 minutes long. They don't have to be a docu-series. They can be smaller segments. Yep. They can be larger segments. But if we can get to that point, 
then and we can do that in a cost-effective way. What we can start to do is we'll have some people that'll watch every single thing. They'll sign up for everything. They want to consume every single thing from us. Well, if some folks only want one thing, and then there'll be a bunch of people in the middle. But all of a sudden, that just increases our probability of increasing that overall average, right? And so that was what was so powerful for us to like take this risk. And it, it was one of those things where we hedged the hell out of it. We just started by literally just taking, you know, and this is like, you know, very Wistia like recommended thing. Hey, just take the blog post and create a video of it. Like, it's just how we started. And then all of a sudden, we were like, all right, let's do our first show. Um, we think that this show, we didn't do any of the research we probably should have. Uh, and then that first show, we were filming every week. And then we were like, okay, maybe let's just film an entire season, you know, in a week. And it was like, let's film an entire season in a day, right? And the one thing that kind of got us down this track as well that I left out before, do you know what the average cost of like an ebook is in time and materials? Any guesses? Ten thousand bucks? About ten thousand bucks. You've oh. read our blog. <laughs> <laughs> Average season of a show, just doing calculations on, you know, time, materials, equipment, if you need to rent anything, it's about ten thousand dollars, right? And so some of our series actually cost us about two thousand dollars because they're just so like compartmentalized. And that doesn't include like everything, but it includes like most things. And then some of our series are gonna cost, you know, fifty to hundred thousand dollars once you know they're all said and done. And so you're just looking at this as like a really leveraged way to like grow that subscriber base um, and ultimately create that brand, um, which is something that we obviously want. Awesome. And how do you think about the audiences and and how do you match how do you match a show to an audience? Like, how have you how have you thought about that, and how has your thinking evolved yeah. as you've been doing this? So, because we were doing this in a hedged manner, where it was just me and this videographer at first, Ben, is we basically started with what I like to call bottom of the top of the funnel content. So, one thing that's done really, really well for us in our written content was, you know, we write about pricing, we write about metrics, we write about these things that if you don't really care about it, you're not going to watch it, right? So, we started with something called pricing page teardown where we basically tear down pricing pages with data. Now, for people watching this, there's a whole group of people who are like, that sounds boring as hell, right? But, but again, it's focus. But it's super, super focused, yeah. and it's bottom of the top of the funnel. Meaning yeah. if you don't care about it, you're not going to watch it. But if you care about it, you're going to binge, which is really great. Well, it's also, I mean, you're actually competing, I mean, against the other things at the top of the funnel, right? Totally, yeah, in a sense. But basically, that's where we started. Yeah. With two bottom-of-the-top-of-the-funnel pieces of content, and one was very, and they were both very topic-focused. So basically taking our blog, which posts had done well, putting the topics into those first shows. The other one was a benchmark show where every week we have a new benchmark, um, like churn benchmarks or how, what your expansion revenue should be. Today, I think we published... Uh, you know, how does founder sleep affect growth, like these types of things. And then basically publish those. And what we started to do is, is we realized that topic focus was good because it was really, really good for pushing people down the funnel. Uh, but it wasn't necessarily great for brand and audience. So we knew we were going to go up that top of the funnel. And so we started off, and then we came out with something called Protect the Hustle, which was a show that's like very focused on, you know, it's interviews, very similar to this, but it's not just the straight, hey, let's put the mic up, you know, let's do one take and then we'll cut the ends and like mm-hmm. publish it. There's an editorial to it. There's a little bit of like really nice, you know, production done to it. And then now the way we're thinking about it is the next iteration is we're starting to do very persona focused shows. So basically a show that's geared towards a product person, towards a marketer, towards a CRO, et cetera, um, just to kind of start testing that. And we're also testing more stuff that's very top of the funnel, almost pre-funnel that's you know, something that our moms would watch or our moms would listen to uh, because we think that that stuff has the higher chance of getting spread, which invariably will bring more people into the fold. 
And how do you think about, so you started with you and one videographer. What does yeah. that, that team look like today? So admittedly, we're trying to figure this out because we started studying you know, some of the new wave shows, right? So you look at like AM to DM on Twitter, um, you look at, um, you know, Digital Trends has this like sort of daily segment show. You look at, you know, it, these are less embarrassing, but they're more controversial. Like you look at Gary Vee, you look at what Barstool Sports is doing, all these different things where, you know, you got to kind of study what everyone's doing. And what you realize is a lot of them put a significant amount of spend up front. Uh, you know, AMT DM, I think there's 25 people, you know, to launch that. And like BuzzFeed, they were able to do that and they wanted it to look perfect. So it was great. But we were looking at, like, what can we do with a lot less people and how do we get the most leverage out of this? And so what we started doing is the first break that we had was, okay, so we have a show producer, and that's Ben, and then we're going to have a, basically a creative producer, which is Dan. So Ben is a little bit more focused on, you know, story, um, running production through pre-production, through post-production. Um, you know, he's less focused on, like, script. That's something that I, like, filled as a content manager, essentially, and then Dan is really, really focused on the look and feel. And what's interesting is that what we found is that you can go incredibly deep on look and feel, you know, graphics and things like mm-hmm. that, but you don't have to go that deep. Doing really, really basics, just having a really good title sequence and a really good like outro sequence, and then making sure that you have the basic building blocks of a show, that's all you really need to do. You don't need to go super, super intense. And it's so impressive versus just the generic stuff that's out there or like the stupid LinkedIn, I'm walking my dog videos, like things like that. And so now what we're evolving to <laughs> is a little bit of a dig there. Yeah, a little, um, just a little yeah, small yeah, yeah. dig. It's just like, it's LinkedIn just, walking your dog videos. LinkedIn You're not walking a fan? your dog No, I don't like, I mean, like <laughs> not all videos created equal. Let's just put it that way. And I think that, I think that people, I, the minute we dumb down ourselves when it comes to like video and our content, I think it's like very bad, you know, for, for our ecosystems. And I think that a lot of those walking, like there's, there's not like, yes, I'm a big fan of like, just do, but just do with a little, little ounce of effort, you know, like don't just like go and just like start, you know, doing whatever, because I think it, I think it hurts your brand. Yeah, um, totally. And, yeah. And, I'm, and I know this has worked really well for you guys. Yeah. But it, it is interesting because I think a lot of people probably watching will be thinking, how do I get started? Yeah. Where do I begin? A lot of the advice is just, just document everything that you're doing. Yeah, and document, just put it out don't there. create. Yeah. And I, one of the things I always worry about when people do that is that they get you know false negatives. Yeah. And they go out there and they're like, I'm making the dog walking videos and I'm yeah. showing everybody like, well, you know, we're about to go on a webinar. Here we are. Like, yeah. let's go. And then nothing happens. Yeah. Often I think because there's actually not enough thought on who the audience is, yeah, and how you're going to connect with them. I think you, if you're, I think if you're trying to build a personal brand, yeah, that stuff's great, yeah, right. And even if you're trying to create a corporate brand, some of that stuff's great. But you have to think of the implications of that, yeah. right? If you're a B two B business, or I would even argue a consumer business, you are selling to people who are giving you money for value, yeah. right? And there are so many things that influence that value. Your product is is probably number one, yeah. But then your brand, the experience, all of these different things are like two through five. And if the first interaction with the brand is like you walking your dog and you know saying something like ridiculous, um, or at least that I would consider ridiculous, then like it's 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 it does affect your brand. Now your audience might be that audience, right? Yeah. You know Gary V, like respect the game, like he that's his audience. <laughs> yeah. He's selling to like yeah. fifteen to twenty five year old, 
you know, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs, and you know, he's he's doing really well at it. I think that audience loves that stuff. Yeah. When you're a B2B software company, like we're selling to like semi-serious people, you know, they're 45 years old, they have two and a half kids, you know, and they're like VPs and they're hanging out and they don't want to put their neck on the line for some kid who like is basically like walking their dog. Well, it's also I think people trying to be Gary V. Yeah. Doesn't work. If they're not Gary V, like I don't think I, they like, understand Gary V. Yeah, like you look at Grant Cardone. So Grant Cardone, and and I, I think that a lot of people give him you know crap for good reasons. Like, but I think that you look at both those guys, Gary V and Grant Cardone. They know their audiences, and if you're not in their audience, you find them obnoxious, offensive, etc. But like they know their audiences, and but people look at that and they go. Oh, cool! Like I can just do that. And yeah, be, I can be offensive, like, loud, and, yeah. or be offensive, yeah. or something like that, and it's totally going to be fine. Um, but you just that, it comes back to that audience essentially. So you are, I think, ahead of where most people are today, thinking about yeah. using shows to build your brand. Tell me about like, what would you tell someone who's just getting started? How, what advice would you give them? Hire a videographer. Okay. Hire like like honestly like hire. I I I know you can just do it yourself with a camera. I did that and everything else comes up, right? It's not the first thing you're going to think of. I think hire someone who has, it doesn't even have to be someone who's amazing, right? Like hire a show, like show producer, a hungry kid, like out of art school or who wants to be a YouTuber or whatever it is, and then just give them a ton of free reign. Obviously, guide them in the right direction and you have to do stuff that's about your brand. But if you have someone thinking about this 100% of their time, it's really, really valuable. And the cost is essentially the same as a content manager. And you're creating content, which is great. Yeah. Uh, and so what ends up happening is you'll start with one show or you'll start with just doing that blog post or you'll start with something. And they'll, they might not be great at After Effects. They might not be great at all these other things, but they're good enough that they can put something decent looking together and then you can put that out there and just kind of get the ball rolling. And tell me about, I mean, you found your way to shows. You have a bunch of different discrete shows. Why, why the model of a show? So I think that when you look at how any shows or, or newsletters or content publications grow, when you think of like traditional content, it's not about the audience, it's about the conversion. So what ends up happening is it's like, okay, they read this piece of content. Now let's let, let me serve this piece of content. Yeah. Now let's let them serve this piece of content. And then let's get them an offer. And then let's like get them on then the phone buy. for a salesperson, then customer, right? Yeah. Problem is, is that time has changed dramatically in how we buy things. There's plenty of things that we buy based off impulse, a lot of retail products, e-commerce, et cetera. But there's also a lot of things where, you know, it's a multi-move game now. Like when you think of software, when you think of these types of things, especially in the B2B space, Time is such an influencing factor in a sale that if I try to do that all of a sudden and you don't convert, I either have aggravated you because I'm trying to pressure you into the sale, or the other thing that's going to happen is is you're going to go into some other list that maybe I do some nurturing on, but I don't really focus enough on it. Yeah. And then inevitably what ends up happening is maybe I come back to you, or maybe I don't realize, and then you're already aggravated potentially, so you're not going to like raise your hand when you're ready. With a show and with building an audience, so being audience-focused, what ends up happening is you're building this audience, you're building this audience, you're building multiple audiences. So you have like basically some shows are going to take off and do really well. 
some shows are going to flatten out because there just isn't a big audience for them because they're too niche or they're too kind of focused. And that's great, but all of a sudden, then what it allows you to do is you have this giant pool of people who have really good positive interactions with your brand, and then it's your your goal then is to kind of score them a little bit and reach out to them in a very respectful manner. And if they're ready to talk, they'll go, great, let's talk. And if they're not, they'll go back to your product, which is your content, or in our case, a free product plus the content. Yeah, so they're basically... Instead of pushing them through the funnel, you yeah. keep them in the audience the whole time. You're putting the onus, like you're putting the onus of conversion on them, which is a little scary as a business. But it's also where everything's going, right? It's I, I don't even yes, I think it's where everything's going because never before like customer acquisition costs are up seventy percent the past five years. It doesn't matter the channel. We're not getting brand new channels that open up. <laughs> yeah. um, like it's just not happening. Right? Yeah. The last one we had was kind of Snapchat, and that was. It's a little TBD whether that's applicable totally. to non like retail and consumer brands. To so anyone who's going after not teens. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, and, and you're looking at a world where if all of that's happening, you just have to get better. And we're reaching, I think what's really cool is we're reaching this really interesting equilibrium where it's 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 no longer, hey, we we're the business, we have all the power, and it's no longer, oh, we're the customer, we have all the power. We're starting to reach like a really good like equilibrium around, you know, value is what's selling, right? And the best way to show your value is to make sure that you're like showing off your brand and providing a good experience. And we're not perfect at this yet. I mean, it's 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 an iterative game, but it's one of those things that I think that that's how you have to think to succeed here. And, and don't get me wrong, like we're not like fluffy in terms of like, hey, it's okay to like grow like a little bit. Like you know, we we want to grow like aggressively as a business, but we just know we're playing the long term game because. We're not trying to like you know flip the market. Essentially, we're trying to you know be a business that's around for a really long time and finding a ton of value for our customers. And tell me about the iteration, the learning, because I, I think it's you and I have talked about that before. I think it's really yeah. interesting some of the things that you've seen there. And yeah. I think if you, someone's thinking they're going to get started, they're going to hire a videographer, which is your your suggestion, which I think is a good one. Is like yeah. instead of the content marketing manager, think of it like a content manager. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. It's actually not that hard. Yep. Um, then. Maybe they're going to try to make shows. Yeah. Um, how do they know if that's working? What should they What should they look at? What are the yeah. What's the advice you'd give someone who's just at that stage? Yeah. It's it's so at the stage of they're they have a they're show ready to maybe, go like they have, they have or let's yeah. say they have the budget and they yeah. they have the people and they want to invest in this. Yeah. What is someone? What would you What would you do on your next show that someone should think about for their first show? Yeah. So for us, I think I would start persona based. Uh, I think that that has a, I would start either like you have a very specific topic like pricing, right? Mm. Or start very persona based. Try not to do an interview show as the first thing that you do, unless that's the only thing you can think of, like something's better than nothing. Uh, but try to do something. And, and the thing that I would do, honestly, this is what's helped us. Consume a ton of content. Consume content like I was talking before about makeup tutorials. Yeah. Like I don't wear makeup, you know, but it's like one of those things where it's like that, that, Phenomenon of makeup yeah. tutorials has taken over, you know, YouTube. Right? Um, I watched, you know, Grant Carnone and Gary Vee, which you know, sometimes I need to take an aspirin, but you know, it's 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 great to watch because you're learning so much. Um, and then watch ESPN, watch everything you normally watch the nightly news. Just consume a ton of content. And what you should be doing is basically cataloging formats. So think about like what's the format, right? This is a little bit more like a Tonight Show, right? You know, think about like oh, that's a really interesting format. Um, you know, where they you know score people's answers. Oh, that's a really interesting format where you know they go, you know, they tell a story while they're doing a tutorial or they're doing something. But just like 
take a bunch of formats and then think about how you would apply that to your business and your audience. And if you can basically find something that is very audience-focused or very like niche-focused, like the pricing page teardowns that we do, then you're going to do really, really well, and it's going to leverage what you're doing kind of going forward. So today, I mean, you've got, how many shows do you have now? So right now, we have four in the market. They haven't all had multiple seasons. Um, then we're working on another 12 right now. Uh, so yeah, That's a 12. lot. That's a lot. Okay, yeah. uh, so what we've been experimenting with is basically uh, format and length. So what we found is that, you know, again, going back to leverage, right? So you can be, you know, MailChimp who's like going all in on this, hiring Netflix producers and you know, spending millions of dollars, or you can be, you know, a bootstrapped, you know, customer funded company like us <laughs> yeah. and basically want to figure out how to do this at scale without putting a lot of money up front. So what we found is we, we to give you some background, we experimented with we have one show, Protect the Hustle, it's about 45 minutes in length, kind of ranges. Uh, pricing page teardowns about 10 minutes, and then profitable report averages about three. Then we have some other stuff. We have a daily show that was another like forcing function to figure that out, and that averages about a minute and a half. That's um, subscription sixty. Subscription sixty, yeah. So we're changing the name, we're changing that's where the twelve is coming in. So what we found is we were like, okay. It's a daily show, which was a really, really good forcing function. Because what we wanted to do is we wanted to figure out, all right, we have these shows. Like, Protect the Hustle is the highest production cost right now because I'm writing all the scripts. And, like, that's really annoying because, like, I got CEO things to do. And so, like, writing scripts is, like, yeah, something (laughs) like that, which is really, really hard. So, you know, we trained a lot of folks how to write. And so that, that load is coming off my plate, basically. But what's interesting is that, what we're finding is we wanted then to have a forcing function like how from a production standpoint will we do a daily because we're like how do we do like a news show like a news daily about what's going on so thinking of like some of those daily newsletters like taking that from just a straight up newsletter to let's do video and the newsletter basically right so you can get some like good subscription um, subscribers out of it now what we found there was like the content was okay but it was one of those things where it it wasn't deep enough. It was, you know, there there were some problems and like the cost benefit wasn't quite there. Um, We probably could have done it for another six months, but what we were finding was like, hey, let's like take a step back after a quarter. So like 90 some episodes, we're like, all right, let's, let's chill for a second. And what we found was, there's some things that we can do that don't have to be time-based in this type of show. So we studied like Marketplace, we studied a couple of other like daily podcasts and we're like, okay, we're going to make this podcast first essentially, but there's going to be a video element and there's going to be like, you know, an A block, a B block and a C block, like very traditional type of media. And then basically the B and the C block or one of those blocks is always going to be the news. Yeah. And then the B and C block are going to be different segments. Yeah. And so all of these different segments all of a sudden can become shows. Yeah. So we brainstormed a bunch of different shows. That's cool. So what we're thinking of is uh, so we have Profitable Book Club. It's going to be a book review, you know, and a, but like a spin on a book review. We have Overrated, Underrated, which is going to be a segment where we can pull in a lot of different people from the team. Um, and it's just kind of like a fun kind mm-hmm. of show, like just to show off more of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, something called Subscription Sapiens, which is going to be like an origin story show for founders and executives like in this world, where it doesn't require us to even interview them. We literally can just do it, you know, based on like public information and things like that. So all of a sudden, like these are technically all shows. Yeah. And what will happen is we'll put them in the daily, and depending on how successful they are, then we will pull them out and make them their own thing. Cool. And so thinking about like, you know. You're flipping it around, basically. Yeah. A little bit from how you're doing it. Totally. Saying like, we're going to put it out there, get in front of the audience every day, yeah. we have the forcing function. I think it's smart to have the ABC sections and basically yep. say like, this one's news, these other ones can be pre-done. Yeah. Then if there is something that's compelling, 
you now know that. Yep. Pull it out and invest more into it. Yep, exactly. Um, and you're starting podcasts first and then also video. Tell me about why you're doing that. So I think that the, the other big thing you have to think about is every piece of content, I, I'm sure it's not quite every piece of content. I think every piece of content should have multimedia. So written, because SEO is so powerful, and it can just be a formatted transcript. Yeah. We kind of go out of our way to do a little bit more than that, um, just because we're anal retentive about it. Um, it should be video, and it should be audio if it, if it supports that medium. And you can't just rip yeah. one and create the others. They have to be a little bit different. So for example, you know the audio versions, you, know, you have to go out of your way to make sure you're explaining something if there's a graph or something that totally. people aren't going to yeah. see, right? So pricing page teardown, it probably doesn't work as audio, so we're not going to put that in audio format. But all of these other pieces of content, what we're looking at is like the lift for audio is just going nuts, and there's just not a similar infrastructure for video. There's kind of YouTube, but that doesn't really make sense. And then we run everything through you know, Wistia, essentially, because that helps us get to the email address, which I think is super, super powerful. And so the way that we kind of think about it is if we start with audio, we have this opportunity to start building that audio base, which we've seen really good success with Protect the Hustle with. And some people like watching it because we do really good production on that. And some people like listening and some people do both, which is really fascinating. But with this concept, it's like we'll have the people who just want to do the drive time audio and then we'll have the people who you know just want to watch it essentially. And we can then take all of those segments and we can put them on different socials in many different ways, right? So think. I, I so think you use basically basically you're marketing the content, yeah, and yeah. as if it was a product. As yeah, hundred percent. And so you're yeah. looking at a show, an episode, yep, and saying like, okay, this can be on video, and it's going to be in. It's going to be an audio version, a video yeah. version of this thing. And if it's a podcast, predominantly, we're going to make video clips probably and use those on social to promote it and things like that. So it'll be actually it'll be a little bit of a step further. So we have the audio version, yeah. which is a slightly modified version of the video version, depending okay. on what happens. Yeah. The video version gets published yeah. on our blog or to a list, yeah. right? The audio version is available through there if they want to go and they want to get on the podcast. And then once they're on the podcast, they're probably not, a lot of them don't come back to video and a lot of yeah, them don't come back to, to written, on there. right? Yeah. So we'll have the audio version, we'll have the video version. Those are fairly the same minor cuts just to make sure they both make sense. Then we can actually split that clip, the video clip, and we can put you know, a LinkedIn video of segment B. Mm-hmm. We can put a Twitter video of segment A. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden it makes our social content so much easier because again, we're basically just taking the, the God thing that we created and just splitting it up for everything else. Yeah, exactly. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And then also what you're doing is you're kind of like, you're sending your tendrils out into the world. And if anyone connects with this on LinkedIn, yep. the only place they can go to get more is back to the main hub. Is sort you call of. it the God piece. Yeah, we have we have a lot of people who watch have only watched our shows on LinkedIn. Okay, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, we, that was something we stumbled into, and we were like, all right, well, I guess we have to keep publishing it, which we're fine with. Yeah, but it was one of those things that was really fascinating. That I think you should drive towards the email address because I think that's where you have the most control. But don't be, um, you know, don't be kind of uh, arrogant about you know different pieces of the social world because some people like. Some people, they consume all of their content in podcasts. Some yep, people, they consume totally. everything on LinkedIn. Yep. Some people, they consume everything on Facebook. And so um, we've thought about, we, we're building each of these separately, like the platforms. Yep. So right now, we're really focused on LinkedIn, but our Twitter and our Facebook are basically just kind of on autopilot. And so when you're just building on LinkedIn, what, what are you looking at there that shows you 
like success? Like, how do you know this strategy is working on the views? Just it's views. just straight up views. Okay. I mean, there's qualitative. There's a lot of qualitative. Like, oh, I watch it, you know, every week on, you know, every Friday we yeah. publish the pricing pitch teardown episode. Um, but it's just straight up views. And, and then, then there's a follower element, but it's just views. And then what do you associate those views with? Like when you're back with talking with your team about what you're gonna be doing next quarter differently or next year. Um, how do you yeah. how do you look at that and how do you know like all right we're getting more views this is good or bad yeah. or how do you how do you calibrate that so we're I mean it's, it's a little bit TBD to be frank with you so LinkedIn is now becoming it's now it's been around for longer than I think Facebook technically but it's now becoming a place for content and it's a lot of the dog walking videos you know that that I mentioned before but it's a lot of now it's becoming an interesting place to like spread your content and a lot of people are approaching it like Instagram which I think is wrong. Uh, so what we're seeing is, is right now we're just focused on, you know, hey, we used to get 500 views on a profile per per post. Now we're getting 5,000 per post, and we're going to start to see like where that trickles down into something interesting. So, you know, this quarter we'll probably do a review at the end of the quarter and see like, okay, we raised our views. Should we spend another quarter trying to do that? Is there something that we should do more for conversion? And and what we've done is we've done some pretty clever things, at least in my opinion. And LinkedIn will probably shut this shut this down at some point. But like, <laughs> we've done some pretty clever things around like getting those people to then be subscribers. Okay. Um, so we do a lot of like comments. So we'll we'll show an episode of pricing uh, or profitable report, which is the benchmarks show. We'll basically blur out and I'll blur out the data. And we're like, hey, if you want the data, comment below. And then we have like a system that goes in and basically like finds those people, gets them subscribed, gets them the data, and then basically it also juices all of the views, which is really interesting. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So Mr. a little, little bit of a growth hack. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it works out really well. And, and we probably like that something like that. You know, it, it gets us really good spread. But it's not going to work forever. It's probably going to work for like twelve weeks. Then we're going to stop doing it and just publish the video, and then we'll move on to doing it something you know similar to that for something else. So you're investing a ton in content. Yeah. What's working now? What's not working? What can people learn from totally. your hard won experiences? Hard won experiences. Yeah. So I think what's working, uh, I, the seasons working, shooting a, shooting a season in a day, shooting as much as you can. So so not having like time based content. Don't start with time based content. Uh, meaning, hey, it's only relevant that week or it loses. To relevancy the next week. Make evergreen stuff. Make evergreen stuff. Or even, it's not even quite evergreen. It's, yeah, I guess it is evergreen. I mean, it's just stuff that like it can stand on its own without time. Yeah. Uh, so you can shoot 13 episodes in a day or in a couple of days. Um, and it doesn't have to be like super complicated, but it's just one of those things where you time box things down. So there is a lot of like pre-production, but a lot of that pre-production, you know, once it's done, basically you can shoot everything and then post-production, you can kind of like take yourselves out. And I would say like the actual getting to the point of shooting that like has the most amount of work and like basically if you can eliminate that and like make that one day like everything becomes you know super simple um cuz just to dig in on that a little yeah. bit so when you're shooting everything in one day yep you have like a set yep you have a format that's the same yep. for each episode yep you kind of you're prepping i presume like by episode so if it's like the profit well report you're going in and you know what you're going to be talking about in each yep. in each segment in advance yep so once you're rolling you're feeling good it's it's just it's happening pretty quickly. I yep. would presume. Well, so so think about it this way. So think about all the things you have to do to film. You have to get the story in the format. You have to if there's a script, you have to write the script. If you have to set the set up, which is like one of the hardest parts. So if you can have a permanent set that's kind of set up, it's great. But even then, if you have a permanent set, 
you then have to set up the cameras, the lighting. Yeah. You have to get the person prepped. Then you have to actually do the filming. First take isn't always going to be the greatest. You might have to do a second take. Maybe they're having a bad day. You're going to have to do a third take. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you you have to like make sure everything's like ideal with sound, video, etc. So all of that, if you can take all of that and do that once yeah. for 13 episodes, that is then going to be an entire quarter's worth of content every single week for your blog, even if it's just one show. That's amazing, right? That's amazing. That yeah. was the biggest thing that we found was like, oh, it takes 45 minutes to an hour to set up the set, even if, or excuse me, to set up the set that's permanent already. Yeah. That's a lot of time. Yeah. All of a sudden, if you're doing that every single week, that's 13 hours. Yeah. So we, we literally, it's a little bit profit well, which is like, we have, you know, it's very us. We have a spreadsheet where it's all the time, all the time for every single episode. And we looked at it and we're like, what are the things that we can do to dramatically reduce the time? And the first thing was write all the scripts at once. Then it was only one time setting up the set that cut 12 hours right there. Then it was, you know, get a teleprompter one take then, or maybe two takes, so a teleprompter for scripted episodes. Then it was have shows that don't have data because all the data shows took a lot of pre-production to get the data ready, right? So that's really what's working is kind of like thinking about this as you know an elegant kind of way that we can kind of go forward and like put everything in one place. Uh, I think some of the other things that are working are you know, just really starting to iterate essentially on the shows and the content. So what we do is we have these seasons and, and they range between 10 and 13 episodes. Then we go on hiatus for a couple of weeks. And then that allows us to start basically prompting the next season and getting growth from it. So we can kind of like, hey, the new season's coming out. Make sure you sign up, that type of stuff. And is that, really that's also out. when you check in on like how the format itself is exactly. working. So we like check that, in, right? like, is the format working? Do we need to make adjustments? So Profitable Report, we're changing the format completely um, to kind of go both podcast and video rather than just video and cool. written. So that's changing up you know, pretty dramatically. Now, what's not working? I think that we were going really, really quickly. I think we got some creative burnout uh, just in terms of you know, when you think of like one creative producer, one show producer, and me, that's a lot to produce as much content totally. as we are. Yeah. And so we're starting to think about, and so like I think that what we're starting to think about is we need basically a story content person who has some understanding or at least some empathy for what happens with production. And then we need like the straight up production person and then kind of like a creative producer that oversees these little pods. So that that's really what's not working now. That we're, That's our hypothesis on how we can get that to work. Because me writing everything or like outlining or like being involved with that, I need to move to more of like an executive producer role, which is like I kind of oversee things. I might, I might be getting that term incorrectly or incorrect, but basically we need to move to a place where you know, we don't have burnout, you know, on the team because, you know, creative burnout's real. And when you're trying to like basically stake your entire content strategy on this, you have to be very cognizant of, of the people that you have. And tell me, because uh, I don't think we've touched on this, how, so how, there's three people. Uh, there's more now, but yeah. There's more. Okay. Yeah. So how big is Profit Well from like a people's perspective and what, how many people are working on this? So we have about 80. It might be 85. We just had a lot of people start recently um, just because we're now we have a full time recruiter and she's doing really well. Like, <laughs> not too well. Uh, so, on the content team, we have uh, so we have a creative producer and then an associate creative producer. So, this is Dan and Alyssa. They handle graphics, uh, intros, all the look and feel they're in charge of. And so they have, you know, input on the shows and input on, you know, the ads we do and things like that. Um, and then they're actually doing all the legwork on the graphic stuff there. We have one show producer that owns two shows 
And then we have another show producer that owns three shows, and then both of them are working together on um, basically this 12 shows that we're trying to launch in the next couple of months. And then we have like one content writer. Okay. Uh, and then me. So basically the content writer and I are doing too much. And so we're going to switch up to this pod structure to kind of like make it a little bit more equilibrium. Basically. So there's about six people, including yep. you, yep. out of 85. Yep. Um, and this That's what, our entire content team to be. It's like. your entire content yeah. team. And then what, like, of your marketing activities, like, is there a lot of other marketing activities that are happening, or what? How much of it? What percentage of your marketing activities is this? One hundred percent. We have a demand gen guy, but he kind of works with our ABM team, which is, you know, for those who don't know, account based marketing, and basically that's part of sales. We put him in part of sales, and then we have one growth manager that's dedicated to. This part of the team, so basically helping distribute this content, gotcha. like launch things. So you're making like a huge bet, yes, on content. Yeah, you're yeah, making yeah. a huge bet on this format of content. Yes, um, and how is it affecting the business? It's a f- millions of dollars of revenue, like millions, and we're you know over we're between ten and twenty million as a business, so a very large portion of our revenue. Uh, I would say actually, no person becomes a customer without seeing a piece of content. Uh, and so, I mean, I could attribute a lot of our revenue to it, but there's a lot of other things that go into like converting a customer. Uh, I think it's also increased our brand, like it, it's increased our brand significantly. And I don't have like a perfect, you know, well, seventy-five thousand brand impressions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though that's very, and that's what makes me uncomfortable because I'm a data science yeah. background. But it's one of those things where you know it's, it's working. Now. We know it's working based on the qualitative data, very similar to like events, where you know events. It's it's really hard to give that full attribution. But you're like, well, I you know, should we do this event next year? Well, who converted from that? Who was the touch point there? Like it's very like qualitative. We just we hear it all the time. Like I'll go to a conference and I speak at a lot of conferences and. It used to be like, hey, who here has heard of ProfitWell? And like, there would be a few people who like read our blog. Now it's at least half the audience has seen a piece of content uh, because it was forwarded to them. That's amazing. Or something. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. And so, and it makes your job so much easier. Oh, totally. Like the people who come up to it, and it you, you get what I really like is you get more extremes too. We have more super fans now than we've ever had. Like we had super fans, but they were like people who would read all our content and they were like more academic. Now we have super fans from the perspective of they like. Consume every piece of content that we publish, which is just kind of wild. Um, and they're just such good ambassadors out there in the wild. It's so funny you say that because I I feel like we've had that we've had that same thing for a long time. Yeah, this, this core group of super fans and people underestimate the oh, impact that like one person can have. Yeah. on a company totally. like one super fan literally yeah. is recommending your brand every day. Yeah. to different people. Yeah. And there's been people over the years we've looked back and like, this person has given us hundreds of customers. Our, and we try yeah. to take care of them because yeah. they really have helped us so much. Yeah. Um, and I think it's funny back to that, like, how many views do you need in an episode? Totally. And you can get 10,000. You can get, I've seen things where you have like a thousand views, 500 views yeah. for a customer. And they are like, this is the best video we've ever done. You know, it's had yeah. the biggest impact of the business. And it's usually because those 500 people who watched were worth it. They're the worth, they're worth it. They're the super fan. Yeah. They're the one who's telling everybody else. Yeah. Like they're literally recommending you hundreds of times a yeah. year. Um, and for a lot of companies, you get someone recommending you hundreds of times a year. It's an enormous totally. impact on the business. Our OG super fan, this woman named Jean Hopkins. Uh, she was a VP of marketing at HubSpot. Now she's, you know, been a CMO at a couple other places. She's yeah. now a CMO at Lola. Okay. OG, shout out to Jean. Jean has been worth so much, like just <laughs> physical money to our brand. Yeah. 
Like there's a there's a there's a saying at the office is like we named a conference room after her. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. And she I don't That's think amazing. she knows that actually. Yeah. Uh oh, Jean. Uh, no, no, I think she'd be flattered. <laughs> yeah. But like Jean, and she's just like an OG super fan. She's an OG just like CMO as well, which is great. But there's there's like a saying where it's like whatever Jean wants. Like if Jean if Jean emails us and it's like hey like can you help intro this kind of person like we drop everything to help Jean. That's just awesome. And, and to kind of dovetail off that. The whole concept that you just described of superfans, we're starting to experiment with some things on video to like foster those superfans. Uh, it's a little bit, it, it's, it's, cause if you think about like, go watch YouTubers that basically, uh, you know, have giant like fan bases of, you know, uh, like teenagers, basically. <laughs> like that's, that's the best thing that you can study there. Yeah. They're the best in the world. At getting these large bases and yeah. then cultivating those super fans. So it's basic things like um, this guy named David Dobrik. You know, he shouts out. And even Gary Vee, they like, shout out people. You know, who do certain things for them. Um, but what we're working on, and it's not quite in a place where I can talk about it. Not because I want to be secretive. It's just like we're we're like trying to figure it out. Where there's so much you can do with video in this content to make those super fans like your friend and actually create them and make them into influencers. And so we're we're seeing some really early things like personalized videos worked really really well, uh, and then even like getting content where you have an audience of one essentially. Yeah. So we've kind of taken it to the rail now, and we're, we're launching this program right now where people won't really know that they're in this, which is like the the, the point. benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's basically like treating them as an audience of one. So if we can get, you know, 150 people that have really, really deep influence and like big audiences in our space and we treat them as an audience of one and we have shows and we have things that are targeted towards this audience of one, we think that the implications can be really, really huge. I think Um, they can be enormous. We've had a couple like partnerships over the years where we did that exact thing. And we're like, our goal is the person who signed up for this for them to feel like unbelievably special and for yeah. them to feel like super connected to us. We made this video for Slack. Have you ever seen that? Where no. um, we basically just recorded people in the studio trying to make the Slack noise, like when you get a message, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just a video of that. And we sent it to the person who signed up because we'd been reaching out to them. Yeah. And we were trying to get them to respond to us because like yeah. Slack signs up for your product. Like, That's you great. feel like you shocked them, could not, could not get a response. Made this video, sent it to them. Instantly, they're like, whatever you want, let's talk. Yeah. And then, of course, we're tracking the views and ends up getting like hundreds of yeah. views because it gets spread all yeah. through Slack. And it, it made it totally change the relationship. Yeah. Um, and it is funny. I think it's one of those like simple, simple things that people forget, which is yeah. like one person we, can, so can matter that and much. That's, and that's what's really interesting is that a lot of people, you don't do these scalable things. So we do scalable ABM videos. It's kind of like um, soapbox, but on steroids. Like where we like go out of our way and do like a full production like suite to like make sure this happens. And a lot of people won't do the personalized stuff because they go like that Slack video. It, it was not a two minute task, right? Yeah, oh no, you know, it required yeah. time, it required effort, it required you know post production these types of things because you guys you know you're very personal about video, obviously, mm-hmm. and you want to make sure it's you know beautiful and great, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that for us. Once we set up our production, so we have this whole series of like outsourced contractors and a bunch of different things. So our team is actually larger than six technically, but it's a lot of augmentation of the team, um, VAs that do research, all this other stuff that we've kind of built the system. And as soon as you make the production a no-brainer or relatively easy, or your cost is down, so we can do personalized videos at a dollar per video. That's where we're at, which is amazing. We've just kind of like squeezed down everything, not to pennywise pound foolish level, but just like right to the point. 
when you can do that, then it becomes a no-brainer, and all of a sudden the, the growth tactics or the growth things that you think about become so much easier because you're like, well, what if we just did personalized videos to this whole set? Okay. Yeah. Like it's just not it's, it's not an issue anymore. Yeah. Whereas like you're sitting there and you have some VP of marketing who's like, oh, it's going to cost too much. They don't even know what the costs are. Yeah. Like they're just like, oh, it's a video. It must be expensive. Well, I think that's, like, it doesn't the, have to. I be. think it's a classic. Like I'm afraid of this because I'm not doing it. And often, yeah. often, at least yeah. what I see is people are afraid of it, they're not doing it, and they don't have anyone in house who can do it. Yeah. And one of the the key things is like video is like design now. You, yeah. If you like, if you want to be a design in the like company, you better have a bunch of designers in house. Yeah. And you can have outside design too to help you. And of yeah. course, there's projects that you use all the time where you're going to go totally. and say, I need a different perspective or whatever. Yeah. But like when you have people internally who are always thinking about it, to your point earlier, yeah. You end up making a totally different set of content. You see different opportunities. I yeah. think in show land, you're going to find different opportunities for shows and different things to think about and to try. Just because someone's there thinking about it versus yeah. like if you have to come up with everything yourself and bring it to somebody else, you're never going to really innovate. Yeah. And then you now have, you call yourselves a network. You have yeah. a network, right? Yeah. What's a network? What's a network? What? Tell me. Tell yeah. me. Tell me where you got to having a network. What that means for you. What it is. Yeah. It goes back to the assumption, or at least the the analysis of the best people in the world who at acquiring audiences or networks, media networks. Now, how you define a media network is gets really interesting, right? So, you know, you have the traditional networks, you know, the news networks, Fox, CNN, et cetera. You have, you know, the the late night networks, NBC, ABC, CBS, stuff like that. And then you have really interesting like new age networks like Cheddar, The Skim, these different companies that are, you know, they're media sites, they're content sites at their core, uh, but they don't necessarily think of themselves as NBC, Fox, et cetera. Um, the one company that we looked at that was really fascinating with this was Bloomberg. So if you look at Bloomberg, a lot of people think, oh, it's Bloomberg News. Like Bloomberg is a huge software and hardware company. Like Bloomberg News yeah, yeah. came afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and mainly came as a way to feed the Bloomberg software product with news and financial information and all this other stuff, right? So that to me is the quintessential like software company doing this beautifully, or it's kind of like the North Star to kind of think about. Yeah, it's so good that people don't even know. Yeah, they have no what idea. They're yeah. like, oh, it's Bloomberg's where I get my news. Like, yeah, yeah, but ninety nine percent of people on Wall Street use a Bloomberg terminal. Yeah, you know, they, you don't even have a competitor. Like, yeah. it's like, yeah. well, why would we use anything else? Because yeah. they created such that brand, and the product's good. Or I presume it's good. I mean, I don't use it, but it's one of those. It has a great brand. It's got a great brand. <laughs> it's got a great. It's got brand. a great brand. <laughs> and so it's one of those things that we look at. We're like, cool. Let's create a network because I, I think that no matter how niche or how interesting your world is, like, just look at YouTube videos, right? Like, my dad watches. Like, he'll go to a conference and he's an HVAC engineer, and he'll go to a conference and be like, "Oh, that's so and so." I'm like, Who, "Who's that?" He's like, "Oh, he's really popular on YouTube for HVAC mechanics and engineering, right?" Yeah. Like. That's great, yeah. right? That's amazing. That's People amazing. have found their niches, yeah. right? And so any business can basically take their industry and become the source the brand, of right? news yeah. and the brand for it. Now, you want it to follow and people buying your product and using your products, but it's one of those things where this whole like, do I build the audience? Do I build the product? And like, how do I like basically balance those things? You got to treat your audience as a product. Like, how do you get that audience in the best way that you can nurture them and you can essentially you know, provide them value on both sides of the equation? That's awesome. Where can people find you? Where can people find ProfitWell? Where can they find you? How can yeah. they how can they watch and subscribe? They can watch and subscribe. So uh, ProfitWell.com, you know, if you go to, it's the Recur Network. That's what we call our network. Um, so it's up at the top, kind of traditionally where you'd see a blog uh, link. Uh, my email's at pc at ProfitWell.com. More than happy to help anyone. More than happy to go deeper on this kind of stuff. Um, and I'm also Patrick Campbell on LinkedIn. 
Awesome. Thanks for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate it.